You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. in your life, but you hold back. You hold back. And there are a lot of reasons you hold back. Fear. Fear. There's a lot of reasons why you hold back. You don't want to look like an idiot. You know, you 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 hold back. God's saying, take a step in faith. That neighbor next door, one who probably starving, get him some groceries. Take some groceries to him and put them on their doorstep. Knock on the door and run away. Let them discover the groceries. That way you don't get the credit. God gets the credit. Have you ever felt as though the Lord was truly calling you to do something, but you turned away the opportunity due to fear? As believers, fear is perhaps one of the most common hindrances in our walk. In today's message, Pastor Dave will encourage you to push yourself past your comfort zone for the Lord. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 14, as he continues his message, Holdouts, Sellouts, and Hideouts. So the rest of Israel joins the fight. A great victory is at hand. God is doing a mighty thing through Jonathan and his armor bearer. Those who were in hiding, those who had deserted, are now coming part to take in the battle. Because the victory is near. So that they can say, we defeated the Philistines. They want to be part of a great victory. Even those who had previously sided with the enemy now have joined the Israelites and fought against the Philistines. So I've taken these groups and I divided them into three categories. I divide them into three categories. I have the holdouts, the sellouts. Actually, that should be holdback. The holdbacks are holdouts, the sellouts, and the hideouts. Divided them into three categories that they have come into. And you look at verse 20, it says, they went into battle. These are the holdbacks, or the holdouts. These are the ones out there to fight with the Philistines, but they didn't join the battle until the odds were in their favor. There are ones who are standing back on, let's, wait a minute. Okay, now, looks like we're going to win. Let's get them, guys. And they're the ones that joined the battle. In verse 21, it it seems that many in Israel had the insecure heart of Saul. These Hebrew deserters to the Philistines probably hated their masters, but were afraid to stand free in the Lord. And they would only come out for uh, Israel when victory was assured also. These were the sellouts. These were the sellouts. They had forsaken Israel at one time, And they supported the Philistines, but now it seemed like Israel was going to be the winner, so now they were jumping ship. I don't know about you, there's an awful lot of sports fans like that. An awful lot of sports fans like that who tell you who their favorite team is until their favorite team starts to take a couple on the chin. Oh, I don't like that team anymore. I'm done with them. Then the team starts to pick up speed, you know. Then all of a sudden they win a big game and they're wearing the jersey. Yeah, man. They're all strutting their stuff now because they're a fan of that team. They're sellouts. They're sellouts. I'm not going to mention any names. Eagle fan. Oh, I didn't mention any names. I just slipped out. I'm sorry. 
not going to mention any names, but you know, we have these favorite teams, you know, and they all, you know, all of a sudden you want to wear their jersey when they're going to the playoffs. Yeah, I rooted for them all along. What? Excuse me? I rooted for them all along. Yeah. No. These guys sold themselves. They were slaves, and they were angry, and they were, they were supporting the Philistines. And all of a sudden, they see this great battle, but he won and go, you know, we got to get in this mix, and we're going to be for Israel now. Yeah. Man, we don't want people like that. That's scary. Those people are scary. Those people are scary. The sellouts. Verse 22, it says, Others in Israel's when the Philistine oppression became severe, they just ran away. Remember all the ones that went and hid in caves and up trees and all that kind of stuff? They went and they hid. And now, once again, the battle seems assured in the hands of the Israelites, so now they're coming out of their, he- their hiding places. They're the hideouts. They're coming out of their hiding places. And they, they left the battle lines because of all the people there. But now they said, oh, look, here we go. We can do this. Well, I got to say this, it's better than to come out now than never. So we got to give them some kudos for at least getting into the mix. We got to give them some kudos. But how much better to have bold and trust in the Lord like Jonathan did? How much better is their faith to have bold and trust in the Lord like Jonathan did? Jonathan trusted in the Lord from the beginning. Oh, I think the Lord wants to do something. I think the Lord wants to accomplish something. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out in faith. I'm going to step out and see if he wants to do this. And we're going to put this out there. And, you know, if it's not the Lord, he's going to close the door and we won't go. We won't open the door if he closes it. But, man, if he opens that door, we're going to go through with great gusto because I know he wants to do a mighty thing. What does the Lord want to do in your life that you're holding back on? What's the Lord want to do in your life? Because he wants to do something in everybody's life. He wants to show you some really cool things. But you're holding back. You won't give him everything. You've only given them so much of your life. You won't give them all of your life. You're holding back. Maybe it's being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't want to act crazy. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Where does it say that you're going to act crazy? Where does it even say that you're going to do those kind of things? You need to know the Scriptures. You need to read the Scriptures. God wants to do mighty things in your life, but you hold back. You hold back. And there are a lot of reasons you hold back. Fear. Fear. There's a lot of reasons why you hold back. You don't want to look like an idiot. You know, you, don't, you, don't, you hold back. God's saying, take a step in faith. That neighbor next door, the one who probably starving, get him some groceries. Take some groceries to him and put them on their doorstep. Knock on the door and run away. Let them discover the groceries. That way you don't get the credit. God gets the credit. Help people out. Talk to people. Do the things that come natural that you would do in here. Don't be a Sunday saint and Monday ain't. Don't be someone who comes in here and you have your hands up in the air. Oh, praise the Lord. And, you're yelling, you know, and, then, and then you go out there and it's like you don't even know who Christ is. That's not what God wants. There's so many people in this day and age who are going to be saved because this is the last times. We are in the last days. How many times do I have to tell you that? One of the reasons why the church was so strong back in the first century, in this first century church in the book of Acts, because they expected Jesus to appear at any time. And they genuinely believed he would. Their heart, they had an expectation that he was going to show up. They had this expectation that he would be there. And they were telling people, they were telling people, 
There were a lot of people who were worried about what's going to happen in the afterlife, afterlife, especially the Thessalonians. And Paul writes these letters to them and tells them all about Christ and the rapture of the church. He tells them these things. Man, we have got to be with an expectant heart that Christ is coming, and then that puts an urgency on us. It gives us an urgency to talk to people about Christ, to, to, to show them, to invite them to church, to invite them to a potluck. If you're afraid to invite them to church, invite them to something that's non-threatening, like a potluck, like sitting around doing marshmallows on a fire pit or in front of, a, in front of the cross singing songs, something that's non-threatening. Bring them out. Bring them out and let the Lord do something in their life. Let the Lord do something in their life. The Lord wants to do that. But they need to be asked. They need to be asked. What a great witness we had last Thursday when we gathered in the parking lot with a a group. And we were all standing in the parking lot. And we were all praying because it was a national day of prayer. And for some unknown reason, Mark and I talked about this, there seemed to be a lot more traffic along, along seashore than usual. I mean, they were whizzing by. It's cool. What a great witness. What a great witness just standing out there praying. People saw it. Those crazy church people again. But they saw the witness. They saw it. Your faith has to be real. Your faith has to be real. The hideouts, they were coming out of hiding. Better to come out now. See, the holdbacks. The holdouts don't share their faith with anyone, and they wait until someone else starts sharing, and then they join in, and they want to reap the rewards of the new birth. They, they don't share. They're, they're holding back. They're afraid of something. And the sellouts are the Mondays, Mondays ain'ts. Monday through Saturday, they, they, they live like crazy. But on Sunday comes, they're in church praising God, and they're walking around, and they make you think they're the most holiest person you've ever seen in your life. And they're usually the most legalistic, too. They come and they make, make believe. Great movie out. A really good movie out that we watched, B and I watched just the other day. It's called The Resurrection of Gavin Stone. Anybody see it? It's a new movie out. And it is Christian. It's pretty cool. Um, it's about a guy who is a very, very popular child star. And he grew up and he fell on hard times because he was an alcoholic and he was drinking and doing all kinds of things, partying, and his name was constantly in the paper. Anyhow, he got in some trouble again and they sent him home to his hometown and he had to do 200 hours of community service at a church. And he got into this church and because he was an actor, he started, he wanted to be in their play and he he auditioned for the part of Jesus, and now he gets the part of Jesus. But what I liked about it, and what was really cool is, his first day he was going to church. Now, he showed up, he showed up at, at the um, uh, office of the pastor in, you know, in typical dress these days, jeans and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, and his hair was all wild and things like that. So he was going to go to church for the very first time. So he goes online, you'll get the point, goes online and looks up, how to act in church. And he clicks on that. So you see the car pull up, and he gets out in church. He's got his khakis on. He's got his shirt tucked in. He's got his hair slicked back. He's carrying his Bible. Yeah, brother. Yeah, bless you, brother. Hey, sister, how you doing? Yeah, God bless you. Yeah, he's walking in. Praise be the Lord. He's, he's doing all the things. And all the people are going, oh, yeah, brother. Yeah, they're all, uh, you can fool me anytime you want. Do you get the point of what I'm saying here? He was no more saved than the man in the moon. In fact, the man in the moon probably closer being saved than he was. 
But he had everybody believing that he was a saint, that he was a Christian, because he knew the Christianese. He knew the talk. And he went online and found out how to dress. It's amazing. It's amazing. It happens. It's a sellout. It's a sellout. And the hideout is someone who just sits back and allows everything else to share. They just sit back and let everybody else share, everybody else serve. They're afraid of what others will think of them. But all of a sudden, they see a group of believers speaking to a few, and all of a sudden, they pop out. They come out of their hole because they want credit. Because they want people to think they're one of, the, one of the gang. Jonathan followed the Lord. And this is about the whole point of this, these two studies. Jonathan followed the Lord. He had a, a notion that the Lord wanted to... And, you know, I empathize with Jonathan and I can, I can understand. He, the Lord puts something on your heart and he says, I think this is the Lord. I think this is the Lord. I think the Lord wants to do this. But maybe he doesn't, but I think he does. So you can sit there, maybe he does. Well, maybe he doesn't. But, but maybe he does. Well, maybe he doesn't. And you can do that for hours. But what did Jonathan do? Jonathan said, I'm going to step out in faith, and this is what's going to happen. If it is of the Lord, this will happen. If it's not of the Lord, this will happen. See, he took the step of faith. He was faithful enough to step out. He took the step. And suppose the guys had said, yay, we're going to come up to you. Jonathan would have known it wasn't of the Lord, and they were pretty able to escape. They would have been able to get away. We opened doors around here at Calvary Chapel. I talked last week about the Soups On program, other things that we do. We're just trying to open doors. We're just trying to see what the Lord would want to do. The coffee house we had here, the coffee house we had here, when we were over in the old building, when we were over on Washington Boulevard, we had a coffee house every Friday, the last Friday of every month was called the Last Friday Cafe. And it was extremely successful. We had all kinds of people coming. It was great. We had a wonderful time. And what happened was we moved over here, and it just wasn't the same thing. It didn't do as well, and it basically we closed it because we felt the Lord would move in a different way. And we weren't afraid to close it. We didn't prop it open and keep it going. We got to look at things. We got to look at stuff that the Lord's doing. And if He's not in it, we need to move on. We need to say, okay, Lord, this was great. Because there are things that happen, especially in churches, for seasons. There are seasons that things happen. We didn't, we're going back to the well of a day this July, basically for one reason. We've been to the well, well of a day several times, and then we stopped going. And then we went again, and then we stopped going. Someone came to me who's coming to this church this day and said, you know, if it wasn't for a whale today, I'd have never been here. Okay. Well, I'll go back. I'll go back and we'll set up a booth again and be there. If one person comes in, the Lord draws one person, why not? Why not? I, 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 that's just the way I feel. I, I, we want to step out in the Lord. We want to step out in the Lord. And that's what Jonathan did. All these others are now trying to take advantage of what Jonathan has already done by stepping out in faith, and the Lord's doing a mighty work. Jonathan followed the Lord's guidance into battle. Saul followed Jonathan and probably wants some credit. The holdbacks or holdouts, the sellouts, the hideouts, they also followed into battle. But it didn't matter because the end result happens in verse 23. So the Lord saved Israel that day. And the battle shifted to Beth-Avon. The Lord saved Israel that day. 
Yes, God used Jonathan mightily, but it wasn't Jonathan's victory. It was the Lord's victory. God also used Saul's 600 men. He also used the holdbacks, the sellouts, and the hideouts. He used them all, but it wasn't their victory. It was the Lord's victory. The Lord gets the credit for the victory. He is the victor here. Just like my salvation doesn't belong to me, it belongs to him because of his victory. His victory on the cross brought me my salvation. He accomplished it. He accomplished it. In 1 Corinthians, this whole thing reminded me of this. That's why I'm turning here. In 1 Corinthians, in uh, chapter 3, I think I want to, I don't know, I I feel the need to just read. I want to read from 1 down to 17, chapter 3. I think this fits, I don't know, it fits in my brain, so I'm going to say it anyhow. Paul writes this to the Corinthian church, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as cardinal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you're still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, you are not carnal and behaving like mere men. For one says, I'm of Paul, another, I'm of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, he who plants is anything, nor is he who waters, but God gives the increase. My point here is, Jonathan went into battle trusting in the Lord. His armor bearer was with him. Saul followed with his men, the hideouts, the sellouts and the holdbacks, they all came in too, and they all had their part, but God gave the increase. God is the one who gives the increase in our life. So if you're a hideout, if you're a holdout or a sellout, and you're not a Jonathan, God still might want to use you in a specific way. Because look at the scripture here. Some spoke the gospel. Paul went in and he taught the gospel of Jesus Christ. Apollos was supposed to be an excellent teacher of the gospel. And he was in there teaching of the gospel. It's very similar to the John the Baptist disciples and Jesus' disciples that we talked about on Sunday. And they had men who were loyal to them. And some said, well, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. He said, wait a minute, aren't we all of Christ? God gives the increase. God gives the increase. Jonathan wasn't taking any credit for it. He knew that God, because remember, what were his words? What were the words out of Jonathan's mouth? I think the Lord wants to do something. Not, I think Jonathan wants to do something, and I hope the Lord blesses it. No. I think the Lord wants to do something. I think the Lord wants to do something. So if you look at it that way, we are all in this together. The body of Christ. The fingers, the toes, the nose, the eyes, the lids, the ears, the mouthpieces. We're all in this together. No one's part is any greater than anyone else's. We're all the part of the body of Christ. And God needs every single one of us to get his will done. Just like he needed Jonathan and and the armor bearer to start the battle. 
He needed Saul to come in with his guys. He needed the hideouts, the sellouts, and the holdbacks. He needed everyone to get the battle done. And he used them with whatever little faith they gave him. Whatever little faith they gave God, with whatever reason they were there, God used it and God honored it. Well, I don't have enough faith. Well, wait a minute. You have a faith of a mustard seed and say, move to the mountain that jumps in the sea. How much faith do you need? God will meet you where you are and he will use that faith that you give to him. If you avail yourself to him, he will do what he needs to do in your life. He will do those things. He will help you talk to your neighbor. He will be the words. The Holy Spirit will give you words to speak to your neighbors, to whomever that you're witnessing to. See, that's what I see in these scriptures. God is the one who gets the work done. Some of us are very frustrated because when we water and God calls them to plant, some people are frustrated because he calls them to plant and we water. You need to find out what God has called you to do. Are you a planter or a waterer? Some of us are pickers. Oh, look, a nice plant. We need to find out what God has called us to do. Others are frustrated because we want to make the increase happen. We believe that if we take this book, and if we hit them enough times in the head with this book, this is going to make a difference. If we throw so much scripture at them that their head spins, it's going to make a difference because we want the increase. We try to force the increase on them. We try to force this down their throat. No. We have one job to do, and that's to love. That's to love. We're called to love. Not called to beat up. We're called to love. Love God first and love our neighbor as ourselves. We're called to love. We want to give the increase, but God gives the increase. We can't take credit for what God wants to do. And I know it's difficult because you may be witnesses to some person. You may have witnessed to this person for a long, long time. And I've done it before. I've witnessed to a person for a long time, showed Christ, did this, talked to him, blah, 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 nothing. And all of a sudden, someone else is preaching, and he hears that, and it clicks. And they accept the Lord. Do I get angry? Well, my flesh does. Wait a minute. God gives the increase. God gives the increase. I should be rejoicing and praising God. I should be rejoicing and doing flip-flops because somebody else came into the kingdom. I should be so excited about what God is doing. But no, we, go, we have a temper tantrum. We hold our breath and stamp our feet because I witnessed to this guy for three years. And all of a sudden, you come along and say one word and he accepts Christ. Well, praise God. God will use you if we would just step out in faith. We would just take the step of faith and know that he's going to use you. That's what this is about. Because real fruitfulness in ministry happens when we are very, very content with what God has called us to do. When you know what God has called you to do and you are content, if you are a planter, you plant. If you are a waterer, you water. Whatever God has called you to do, that's what you do. And if you do it with the best of your ability, with all your heart, God gives the increase. God gives the increase. It's not a hard system. God will do the work if we would just let him. If we would just let him. You are a sure.
We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Shank today for A Sure Hope. This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises. And it may not look like you'd always want it to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future, though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, we are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear. God is as faithful to you now as he was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on Him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out and let Him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of A Sure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.